This is AMA Fantasy Football, the only fantasy football podcast dedicated solely to you, the fans. Email us your questions at amafantasyfootball at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at amafantasy, and we guarantee your questions will be answered. Now, here is your host, Ellie Berkovitz. Good afternoon, everybody. Hope you're all staying safe, and welcome to another edition of AMA Fantasy Football. You can find us on Twitter at AMA Fantasy. I am your host, Eli Berkovitz, and you can find me on Twitter at Book of Eli underscore NFL. Today in AMA, as always, we'll be answering all the fans' questions, and today we'll be playing a quick round of Fantasy Buy or Sell. But before we get to the questions and buy or sell or anything else, I'm extremely excited and honored to welcome onto the show fantasy expert and three-time number one ranker on Fantasy Pros, Sean Kerner. How you doing, Sean? I'm doing well, Eli. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Just uh, looking forward to football. I know we're still a couple months out, but the itch is there, and i doing mock drafts. I'm looking at rankings, and I just can't get enough. How about you? <laughs> yeah, same here. And usually I'm like... Not a huge fan of the preseason. Um, I do a lot of projections and play DFS uh, preseason, but this year, I, like, I don't know why, but I'm just like really anticipating preseason. I hope we get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's that's how excited I am for the season. Exactly. Just, I think you know, I'm looking forward to even the preseason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's getting to that point with sports overall. People are looking for any kind of outlet. So yeah, if we do have preseason, you better believe I'll be watching every every minute of that. <laughs> Um, but during this, you know, quarantine and everything else going on, what, what have you been, you know, doing to keep yourself busy, any new activities or hobbies, how you've been managing all this? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, a lot more bike riding, um, than normal, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do have to be, you know, stimulating my projection mind. So I've been doing, um, call of duty league projections, mm-hmm. uh, and playing DFS for that. Wow. Uh, I happen to like call of duty myself. Um, so that, that's been fun. And then I also, uh, built a UFC model. Um, so I've been doing UFC projections. Again, these are things that, um, I probably wouldn't have had time for if, if we had regular sports going on. So it, it was kind of nice to have the, the ability to set up these models that I can, you know, continue to run even once sports return. So, uh, up at fancy labs, we have call of duty and UFC, um, DFS projections. So that, that's kind of been my way of kind of, um, you know, still simulating my projection um, brain. Like I, I have to be making projections for something. So that's that's been my outlet uh, for during the quarantine. That's pretty cool. I, I didn't even know that there was DFS for Call of Duty. Um, that sounds pretty interesting. Knowing me, if if once I got into it, I would probably be way too into it. Even though I'm honestly terrible at Call of Duty, is not my, <laughs> not my game. I'm more of a Madden guy. Keep it simple. But um, that's pretty cool. I feel the same way this time. Obviously, I think we'd all wish we could be at our regular jobs and regular sports going on, but it does afford people the opportunity to do a lot of work they wouldn't normally have the chance to do. So I think that's very cool that you're setting up all these different models, and this way, once things get back to normal, you'll have it set up and you're just ready to go. So I think that's a really good idea. And now we'll just move right on to the fan questions, starting off with number one. And this one's coming in from Chad in Wisconsin. Is there any Packers pass catcher worth owning outside of Devontae Adams? Um, yes and no. Um, I would say Alan Lazard is probably the most likely guy to be Aaron Rodgers' number two target. 
Um, you know, he's probably not going to give you much more than a handful of points every week. So he, he doesn't really fit into my draft plans. I mean, what are you going to do? Draft him and have him sit on your bench. Exactly. Um, so, you, you know, I'm not really targeting him in drafts, but he does have the highest upside to become the number two. Um, the one guy that I do kind of target l- way later on in uh, best ball drafts specifically is Devin Funches. Um, just because, you know, he's going to have that sort of tight end kind of role um, in the red zone where he, he has the potential for double-digit touchdowns. I don't think he's going to get that. But at least in best ball, you don't need to, you know, decide when you start him. So when he does score occasional touchdown or two um you know you'll be able to use those scores in best ball um but again for redraft league that's kind of um annoying to have a guy like that on your bench when you, you don't really know when to play him so again i don't think there's really any packers pass catcher worth really drafting but those guys certainly can provide value and you know when it comes to the tight end i, I don't really want anything to do with that situation um jay sternberger is probably the most likely guy um, to be the leading tight end in this offense. But again, I, I think Devin Funches will actually play more of that role than people realize. So, and, and just based on their offseason, it doesn't seem like the Packers are really interested in really supplying any <laughs> fancy project, uh, production um, for anyone outside of Devontae Adams anyway. So he's he's really the only guy you should be targeting in your drafts. Yeah, I agree with you there. I mean, I, I love the point there about Devin Funches because the Packers receivers in the Aaron Rodgers era – have always managed to be very touchdown heavy. Even if they're not getting a ton of yards and catches, Rodgers always manages to have usually two receivers with at least eight touchdowns, if not even hitting double digits. When we were talking about, you know, Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, Devontae, they were all hitting double digits. So I think Funchess does have that chance. But like you said, you're not you're never going to know when. So best, best yeah. ball is definitely the best way to go because he'll probably catch some touchdowns, but you don't want to be get, playing that guessing game all season long. So I'm with you on that. And now another receiver question. This one coming in from Facebook from Alan G. With DeAndre Hopkins now in Arizona, who is the Texans wide receiver to own? So the four top guys there obviously being Will Fuller, Brandon Cooks, Randall Cobb, and Kenny Stills. So, I mean, I'll place these guys in buckets. So I think that Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks are are the draftable guys, obviously. And, I, I, you know, they come with some injury risk. Um, but they, they go at a point in the draft where that's fine. Um, so the guy I like targeting the most is Will Fuller. Um, he's typically going around, you know, wide receiver 31 right now, um, which we all know he, you know, when healthy, he has wide receiver one upside um, certain weeks. But I think without DeAndre Hopkins, he can at least provide wide receiver three stability week to week. I think he's going to be more consistent. Um, and, you know, if you take him in this range, you know, you can hit – a wide receiver one, wide receiver two potential. Um, but even if he does, you know, I, I think it's likely he does miss some time this year due to injury. He's not going to kill you where he's going. So it's it's kind of a unique opportunity this year to get fuller cheap. Um, and he's he's the kind of guy I'm willing to take a chance on where he's going in the draft. Um, you know, when, when it comes to Brandon Cooks, he's similar. But with Cooks, you know, his injury history is concussion-related. So I'm a bit worried if he if he does get a concussion this year. Um, you know, what that could do for his career, or even the season. So um, I'm a little bit hesitant to, to draft Cooks. But Fuller, you know, it's much more of, you know, nagging soft tissue type injuries that I think, you know, he could have better luck this year and stay healthy. So he, he's the guy I'm willing to gamble on. Um, when it comes to Randall Cobb or Kenny Stills, I think either one of those guys, um, you know, could 
vault up into fantasy relevance if either Brandon Cooks or Will Fuller gets hurt, which, like I just said, is could be likely. Um, but they're, they're more guys that you're just going to want to monitor during the season on the waiver wire. Um, I don't really like having guys like that just, you know, wasting away bench space. Um, so th- those are guys just keep an eye on. And if something were to happen with Brandon Cooks or uh, Will Fuller and you need wide receiver help, those are guys that I'll be willing to spend some free agent bucks on, um, to, you know, to have as a spot starter when those guys go down. But other than that, they're not guys I'm targeting at the draft because I think there's just too much opportunity cost to have these guys sitting on your bench when I don't think we're going to see consistent production from them as long as Fuller and Cooks are healthy. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think Cobb and Stills are going to be those guys who have the occasional big week, but the main two will be Fuller and Cooks, but also kind of like what you said, the injury concerns are real. I mean, for me, I don't even know if I could draft Brandon Cooks at this point. I've had him year after year, and like you said, I mean, the concussions, that's a scarier injury. You take one big hit, we could be looking at his career. So it's a little bit different than Fuller, you know, might be a hamstring or a groin. He'll miss a game or two. I think Cook scares me off a bit more, but I love the point you made about Fuller being right in that zone of where if he bombs, it's not going to kill you where you draft him, but his his wide receiver 1-2 upside where you get him is a terrific value. So Fuller is someone I'll definitely be targeting in the middle of drafts and trying to hopefully he'll stay healthy and hit that upside that everyone knows he's capable of. And now moving on to number three, another one coming in from Facebook, this one from Kelly. Can DJ Moore sustain his 2019 success with Teddy Bridgewater, a quarterback? Last year, Moore had 87 catches, 1,175 yards, and four touchdowns. Um, yeah, I think he can sustain that success this year. You know, Teddy Bridgewater, he's definitely an upgrade over Kyle Allen. So um, I don't think this is even a lateral move. I think this is something that um, will benefit DJ Moore. Um, now, in the past, they really haven't had a strong number three receiver. It's been like Jarius Wright and you know other guys like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so now having Robbie Anderson, um, it, it's going to be a stiffer competition for targets at least. But I think that Robbie Anderson has such a unique role that it could open up DJ Moore even more. No yeah, underneath. Um, yeah. But you know, you know, Christian McCaffrey and Curtis Samuel specifically, um, you know, typically get targeted closer to the line of scrimmage. Whereas Robbie Anderson's the deeper threat, um, so it'll you know DJ Moore will still have the intermediate middle part of the field, um, and you know Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater likes targeting those kind of receivers. So I think that um, we might not see the same you know target numbers and yardage numbers as last year. That's going to be hard to match. But I think when it comes to DJ Moore, we should be seeing some um, positive touchdown regression. Um, you know he has a career touchdown rate of four point two percent, which is I think unsustainable for him. Uh, I don't really see him as ever being, you know, a 10 plus touchdown kind of guy, but I have him closer to 6.5% of his receptions resulting in a touchdown. So, you know, that's closer to five and a half touchdowns. So any kind of ding he might get um, in his yardage or receptions, I think he'll make up for in touchdowns. So I, I still have him as a top 10 wide receiver. I mean, he is entering his prime. Um, There's no reason for them to kind of get cute and look away from him. So I I think he's going to be just as good this year. Um, even if uh, Robbie Anderson might steal a few targets, I think in the end he's still going to put up the same uh, fancy points. Yeah, I think I think Anderson will definitely take some deep some deep targets, but yeah, more like you said, the, the touchdowns is the biggest thing. I think even if he drops a couple receptions, loses a bit of yards, but that touchdown number has to has to change a bit. I think I actually 
I was looking at this question and it kind of reminded me of Darren Waller, who had, I think, almost 1,200 yards and uh, almost 100 catches or over 100 catches, and then he had three touchdowns. And it was like, I think Waller this year also could have a, he could drop yardage and receptions, but I think his touchdown regression will even that out. So I see a similar thing here with DJ Moore, and, and I definitely like him going in 2020. My only concern, like you said, if Bridgewater keeps it closer to the line of scrimmage, some of Moore might lose some of that over the middle targets, but he's a, he's a playmaker. When he gets the ball in his hands, he makes moves. So I'm excited about him for sure, at the very least, as a wide receiver too this year. And now our first Instagram question of the day, this one coming in from Jordan. How do you see the Colts splitting their backfield between Jonathan Taylor and Marlon Mack? So this question is a bit trickier this season specifically just because we don't really have an off season right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we have limited information. And I think this limited off season could, you know, negatively impact all rookies. They're, they're not going to get the, the same reps and, you know, just getting up to speed with NFLs we're used to. So I think that could actually favor Marlon Mack at the beginning of the year. I, I think this, we, we could expect closer to a 50, 50 split at the beginning of the year. And then ultimately, you know, Jonathan Taylor's, um, the more talented back. So I could absolutely see Jonathan Taylor being more of the lead back uh, towards the end of the year. Um, but, you know, we still have Nikeem Hines there who will definitely have his third down role. So um, it's going to be hard to see Jonathan Taylor being a true workhorse back unless Marlon Mack gets hurt. Um, but if you're drafting Taylor, you're drafting the upside and ultimately you're drafting him to sort of peak at the most important time, you know, during the fancy playoffs. So I think the farther we get in the season, the more time Taylor will have to adapt to the NFL and, you know, outperform Mac. So I think that if you take Taylor, um, you know, consider that the first few weeks you might not, you know, get production out of than you're expecting. Uh, it might be sort of like a Miles Sanders type of season, honestly, where, um, you know, he's basically unplayable at the beginning of the year. And then just due to certain circumstances, he was able to, um, you know, get that true workhorse role. And he has the talent to be you know, RB1 if he's getting the playing time. So I think Taylor's the upside pick where, um, you know, if you're confident you can make the fantasy playoffs, why not take him um, where he's going? Because I think towards the end of the year is when he's going to peak. So that's that's a pretty smart um, angle. If, if your goal is to win the fantasy football league, um, you know, preparing your team for the fantasy playoffs is, you know, a strategy that you can have. So I think he kind of lends to that just based on how this playing time could shape out this year. Yeah, I hear that. I think, like you said, in the beginning of the year, for any rookie this year, and usually this would be in general, but especially this year, we can't expect them to come out running. You know, it's probably going to take a couple of weeks for any rookie to get acclimated, and especially without the off season. So it could take a bit of time, but I think Taylor will be worth the pick. I think he has a ton of upside. I thought he was actually maybe the best pure runner in this draft. Um, so I really like him. It's a bit rough because the Colts have been, their backfield has just been such a mess the last couple of years and they split it up so evenly. But I think the talent will win out with Taylor and he'll eventually take that role for Mack. And Naeem Hines will be a, a, bit, a bit annoying stealing some receptions, but that's not necessarily Taylor's game anyway. So I think as long as Taylor's getting the bulk of the carries and more importantly, the bulk of the carries near the goal line, he's going to be worth that pick. And I think that's going to be his role in the Colts offense. So I really like him. And now we've got another email, this one from Dennis in Atlanta. Can the 49ers passing offense sustain three weapons? So last year you had Kittle and Samuels, and now they drafted Brandon Ayuk. I know he's a rookie, but a lot of high hopes coming into the draft for him. So how do you, how do you see the offense working there? 
I think the the 49ers passing offense can sustain two weapons at a time, and I think they're George Kittle and Debo Samuel. So, you know, I like the pick uh, with Brandon Ayuk. Um, just giving them that deeper threat, especially how much the, the 49ers play, uh, run play action. I think he can have some pretty big games, but I think ultimately week to week, he's not a guy you're going to want to trust in redraft leagues. Again, if this is best ball and you don't have to, you know, kind of figure out when he's going to go off, uh, that's one thing. But I think he's going to be inconsistent just because, you know, George Kittle is, you know, he is this offense. So, um, you know, I, I love targeting George Kittle where he's going just because he commands such a high target share. That's why I think he can, um, you know, sustain his project, uh, production week to week. And, you know, Debo Samuel, I think he'll end up, you know, picking up some of the scraps that Emmanuel Sanders is leaving behind. Um, so I, uh, you, he, this offense, I don't think they can support all three every given week. He's just going to be more of a high risk reward kind of player. And I think a better real life uh, player than he will be in fantasy, especially this year. I think, um, it, again, when it comes to rookies, it could take them a little bit longer than we're used to, um, you know, fit their role in the offense. So I think he's he's a guy I'm probably going to be staying away from. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the 49ers offense, we all know, is predicated on the run. So <clears throat> when I saw this question for me, as much as I love Ayuk, I really did like the pick. I wanted the Packers to draft him desperately. I really like him as a player. But like you said, I think he's going to be a much better NFL player than fantasy, at least for yep. year one. That offense, it's just not it's just not built to sustain three weapons in the passing offense. So we'll keep an eye on Ayuk as the year goes on. And now here comes our final fan question of the day. This one's coming in from Derek, and he wants to know, can Rob Gronkowski pull off this amazing comeback and finish as a top-five tight end in 2020? Uh, of course he can. I, I think just based on his touchdown upside alone, that's how he'd get there. I don't think with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin there, he's going to be putting up um, huge receiving numbers. I think it's going to be, you know, they kind of help the Buccaneers get to the red zone and then Gronk capitalizes as Brady's number one red zone target. That's that's the path I can see him getting there. Uh, but, you know, he's not that old. I think he still <laughs> has enough in the tank um, to, to give us another top five tight end season. Um, however, he is—he's going in, uh, you know, a point in the draft where I'm a little bit hesitant to pull the trigger. Um, you know, it's—it's it's been hard for me to trust any tight end in a Bruce Arians offense. So, um, you know, I, I'm liking the reports that Arians is willing to kind of let Tom Brady have some free reign in this offense, so that that helped Gronkowski. But um, I thought about it extensively last year with just. Dirk Cutter leaving Tampa Bay to go to Atlanta. Um, I think he's the guy that was really behind, you know, a guy like OJ Howard's success and, yeah. you know, sort of the tight end schemes that he implements and, and Cam Brate especially. So uh, I don't really like this offense for tight ends, uh, but we'll see how they, they tailor this with Tom Brady and um, incorporating Gronk into it. Like I said, I think if he can stay healthy, he does have, you know, the touchdown upside to be a top five tight end, but that's, that's ultimately the path that he will have to have to get there. And, it, you know, there's so many of these, like, younger tight ends about to enter their prime going at this range, like uh, Mike Jusecki, Hayden Hurst, Dallas Goddard, TJ Hawkinson. I'd rather just wait and take a flyer on those guys than really spend draft capital on Gronk when, you know, you're just banking on, um, you know, uh, sort of a fluky touchdown season um, yeah. in order to get that kind of potential, whereas these other younger tight ends could be, you know, the breakout tight ends we've been seeing the past few years. So I'm, I'm kind of passing on Gronk to take some of these higher upside tight ends. 
Would you say that this year we might be looking at one of the deepest tight end classes in fantasy over the last uh, couple oh. of years at least? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, these are the t- kind of tight ends that I've been targeting, um, you know, the past couple seasons. Um, unfortunately, I wasn't on the George Kittle train before 2018, but he was being drafted in this range that year. And then last year, I was all in on Austin Hooper and, um, you know, even Mark Andrews went around this range. So that's that's kind of where the league winning tight end draft picks happen. And we have like I just rattled off those guys, all those guys have that sort of league winning upside. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's one of the deepest classes and you could really take a flyer on one or two of these guys and I think the chances of them hitting is much higher than we've seen in year, years past. Yeah, I completely agree. And you know, already last year someone like like you said Mark Andrews or even Darren Waller, these guys at the ends of drafts <clears throat> that people were taking flyers on and I'm willing to bet a huge percentage of championship teams had Waller or Mark Andrews that you're getting in the 12th, 13th round as your tight end. I personally I've never been a huge jump at tight end guy. I usually find myself waiting. And last year in one of my leagues, I waited till my final pick. I took Darren Waller. I ended up winning the championship. So nice. Yeah, it worked out. Uh, yeah, most people, he was on the waiver wire for most leagues. Like he went undrafted in most leagues. That's how crazy yeah, that was. Exactly. I mean, I got to thank Dave Richard over at CBS Fantasy because I listened to their podcast and he was talking about him all off season. And I just said, screw it, you know, I'm just going to take a flyer on him and see what happens, and it worked out. So I agree. I think tight ends this year are really, really deep. So unless you could get Gronk at a good value, I wouldn't jump at it because, like you said, he's going to rely super heavily on touchdowns. I don't see him having a ton of catches or yards. So Gronk, I see him as a as a mid-tight end, not overly exciting, but definitely high touchdown upside. And before we jump into the buy or sell, we're just going to take a quick commercial break. And we're back here on AMA Fantasy Football. Before we close out the show, I thought we'd play a quick round of fantasy buy or sell. So, Sean, I'll throw out a couple fantasy scenarios, and you just tell me whether you buy or sell. Sound good? Okay, yeah. If, if you want me to give a quick explanation, I could do that as well. Yeah, let's, yeah we'll, do, we'll do a quick explanation after each okay. one. So, buy or sell... Henry Ruggs, the first wide receiver drafted this year, will finish as the highest scoring rookie wide receiver. I'm going to say sell just because I think the landing spot um, capped his upside a bit. You know, the Raiders will they'll probably target him more underneath. Um, so I think we can see more consistent production based on his landing spot. But I think ultimately it kind of caps his upside. We won't really see that deep potential. So I, right now I have C.D. Lamb and Jerry Judy tied as my highest ranked uh, rookie wide receivers. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I'm super high on CeeDee Lamb. Obviously, being in Dallas, it's a little bit concerning because the other targets, but I think CeeDee Lamb is ridiculously talented. So I'm with you on that. I like Ruggs, but I don't know if he's going to finish as number one. I don't think the offense will support that. Moving on to number two, buy or sell, Ben Roethlisberger's return propels Juju Smith-Schuster back into the top 15 at wide receiver. I'm going to say bye. Um, I, I have Juju in my top 15, but I think it is a little troublesome to see, you know, how much his stock is and value is related to Big Ben's health, um, especially, you know, with Big Ben's elbow being iffy and Big Ben being much older. Um, I, I don't like taking on that risk. Uh, you know, we saw a, a guy like Kenny Galladay, um, even after Matthew Stafford went down, he was still able to put up solid numbers. 
um, despite the backups playing. But we, we just can't trust Juju if Big Ben goes down with Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges. So that that's the one caveat I would say is, yes, he's a top 15 receiver with Big Ben. But um, just, you know, given how poor he was without him, it, it kind of worries me that you're drafting him where, where you need Big Ben to stay healthy. Yeah, look, I was crazy high on Juju last year. I believe I had him at wide receiver four. I drafted him in, I think, two of my three leagues. Obviously, it was pretty disappointing. Um, he does obviously have a huge correlation to Ben Roethlisberger's health. I think most receivers would be like that, but you did mention a good point. Kenny Galladay was still pretty damn good, even once Stafford went down. So right now, Ben's healthy, which makes Juju good, but you definitely have to keep in mind that if anything happens to Ben, Juju's basically unstartable. So keep that in mind. And moving on to the next buy or sell, buy or sell, the hiring of Mike McCarthy and drafting CeeDee Lamb will hurt Ezekiel Elliott's 2020 fantasy value. I'm going to say sell on that one. I don't think we can base too much of what McCarthy did with the running backs he had in Green Bay anyway um, with this season. Um, it was encouraging that he, he retained Moore as the offensive coordinator. So I think we'll see, you know, similar offense as last year. Um, and, you know, CeeDee Lamb doesn't worry me so much when it comes to Zeke. Um, you know, they lost Randall Cobb and Jason Witten, so there's targets to go around. If anything, they'll, they'll run more three wide receiver formations, which is one less guy in the box to um, stop Zeke. So it could help boost uh, Zeke's, you know, yards per carry. Um, and ultimately, when it comes to Zeke, I think his touchdown upside is what I love the most. He, he's probably a lock for 12 to 14 touchdowns. Um, especially if this offense is even more explosive with CeeDee Lamb. So I, I think it could, in a way, help him. Um, I think the only concern I have is, you know, Tony Pollard being so good. He commands more of a, a workload. But um, either way, I think Zeke, he's probably my num- – if I had pick number two, I would take Zeke just because I think he has such a high floor yeah. given his, his – the stickiness with his touchdown production is there. I think, uh, you know, he, he's a lock, like I said, for 12 to 14 touchdowns. That's where most of his value comes from anyway. Yeah, I was going to ask you where you would have him ranked, and I totally agree. I think Zeke just has this safetyness to him where you know what you're getting. You know he's Zeke. He's going to get you that double-digit touchdowns. He's almost certainly going to get you 1,000 yards. He might not be the most flashy, you know, like like McCaffrey and Kamara, but he's just that safe, automatic. You're going to get him in the top three, and you're going to have your number one running back all year long. So I'm a huge Zeke guy. Last year... I picked him, I believe, second overall. It worked out wonderfully. So I love Zeke. I think Mike McCarthy just happens to being a, a Packer fan and watching him coach. I, I think the running volume might be a little bit less, but that's not going to take away from his touchdowns. So I'm still all in on Zeke this year. And here comes our final buy or sell of the day. Uh, with Philip Rivers now in Indianapolis, is Keenan Allen's time as a reliable fantasy wide receiver over? Uh, this is a complicated question. I'm going to say sell, um, but clearly Keenan Allen's value takes a massive hit without Phillip Rivers. I mean, you know, most seasons you can consider him a low-end wide receiver one. I think we need to shift our expectations to, you know, he's a low-end wide receiver two. But having said that, I think he's going to give reliable production week to week uh, just based on his playing style. I mean, he's he's pretty much open every single play. Yeah. So, uh, you know, even if Tyrod Taylor or Justin Herbert, you know, the offense as a whole won't be putting up the, the same volume, he's still going to command a huge target share just based on, you know, his separation skills 
and he's he's going to be wide open. So these, you know, I would consider them inferior quarterbacks in a sense. Um, you know, they're, they're going to want to target the safety valve like that. So they're going to be less likely to be throwing jump balls to like Mike Williams. Um, so I think, you know, guys like Mike Williams or Hunter Henry probably take a bigger hit and they're just week to week, you know, reliable production. Whereas Keenan Allen, although it'll be lesser production, he'll still be pretty consistent week to week just based on, you know, he, he's kind of a consistent target guy. He's never been a huge touchdown yeah. um, reception kind of player. So I, I think that that doesn't really come into play here. So I think he'll be a consistent low end wide receiver too. Yeah, I, I mean, I love Keenan Allen as a player. He's, like you said, I mean, arguably the best route runner in the NFL. He's so good. He's so fun to watch. And I think it's a great point. We usually talk about tight ends as being that safety valve for a young quarterback. But I think Keenan Allen will take that role just as well. He is open on every single play. And I think whether it's Herbert or Taylor, they're going to look to him over and over. So he might not rack up a ton of touchdowns, but I think he'll have plenty of catches and enough yards where, at least in PPR leagues, he'll be well worth the pick as a wide as a low-end wide receiver two, especially as, as a high-end wide receiver three. That would be incredible, or as a flex play. So Keenan Allen, yeah, in full PPR, <clears throat> I think he's going to still have a great season. And Sean, that's it. We got through all the fan questions. We got through buy or sell. I'm so appreciative of you to take your time to come out onto the show. And just before we go... I want you to leave the fans with any closing thoughts you have about whether it's football or anything else going on in the world right now. And also let everyone know where they could find you on social media. Yeah. So um, you can find all my work on actionnetwork.com and um, uh, my Twitter handle is at the underscore odds maker. Um, and like you said, I'm just really looking forward to getting back to normal and having football start up again. I've never been more excited to see, a preseason game in my entire life. Um, so that's saying something. So yeah, looking forward to um, having a, hopefully a normal NFL season this year. Yep. Same here. I, I'm counting down the days. I believe uh, we're under a hundred at this point, so we're getting closer and uh, you heard it here, everyone make sure to go give Sean a follow at the underscore odds maker on Twitter. And before we head out once again, every week we're going to be here answering all of your questions bringing on amazing guests every single week. So any fantasy questions you have, hit us up on Twitter at AMA Fantasy, or you could email us at amafantasyfootball at gmail.com. And you can find me on Twitter at bookofeli underscore NFL. Thank you for listening, everybody. Have a great day. We're out.